0: The first reading comes from 2 Corinthians 11, verse uh, 21b to 33. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received, uh, received from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. The second reading comes from 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 17, to 3, verse 13. But brothers and sisters when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and coworker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, hello again. As I said, my name is Jade Hajj and uh, good evening. Um, Yeah, just a little bit about myself. I can't remember what I said before, so I'll just say it again. Um, I study at my college. I'm in my second year. I'm married to Karen. We have a little baby girl, Alice. Um, Karen and I are from Lebanon. We have been married for about seven years now, and we've lived actually in Australia for five of those seven years. Every Lebanese citizen has a deep longing. Lebanese people are wishing for something different, wishing for something better. We're constantly longing for a better life, a better society, a better government. So in March of 2005, over a million Lebanese people were united in a singular longing. And that longing was that we wanted freedom from the foreign nation that was ruling over us at the time. And so we went down and we protest. That nation actually retreated. Something happened when we protest and our longings were fulfilled. Or so we thought. The following months and years proved Lebanon to be a semi-war zone for foreign nations to fight each other. And we Lebanese citizens were left out in the cold longing for the next best thing. It turned out that although we longed for something that was good, we longed for freedom, we were left unsatisfied and broken when... The, longing that, the thing that we long for, we got it. To long for something is much deeper than simply wanting something, isn't it? Take a moment, ask yourself, what do I long for? It's a big word. What are some of the deepest desires of my heart? Maybe it's to be freed from a bad relationship. Maybe it's to be healed, or for someone else to be healed from a sickness. Maybe it's to be freed from an addiction. Gambling, pornography, drinking, drugs. Or maybe you find yourself longing for much simpler things. Maybe you're longing for a really nice house, or a car, or the perfect Australian dream, uh, you know, nice house, car, nice family, babies, all that. Maybe you want to step up in your career. What are you longing for? Today's passage as Justin hinted at is all about longing, but it's about what the apostle Paul was longing for. So as we jump into it, we're going to be doing two things. We're going to start by unpacking the passage. As you saw the second reading, that was our passage. It's quite a big passage, so we're going to break it up into three sections and we're going to go through them and that's how we'll unpack the passage. And then the next thing we'll do is we'll we'll look at what does it mean for us? What does it mean for me? So these are our three sections. First, Paul was longing to see them. Um, in your orders of service, it's uh, actually chapter 2, verse 17 to 3, 4. I actually input 3, 5 in your orders of service, so feel free to correct that. So Paul was longing, first we'll look at to see them. Paul was longing for them to have remained Christians. And finally, Paul was longing for them to be mature Christians. Let's jump straight into our first section, Paul was longing to see them. I'll read some things here and there but brothers and sisters when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you for we wanted to come to you certainly I Paul did again and again down in verse 1 chapter 3 so when we could stand it no longer we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens as we read this first section Paul's language is so emotive it's so powerful it possibly feels a bit exaggerated You're being a bit of a drama queen, Paul. Calm down. No one really loves people that much, do they? But let me quickly remind us of how the Thessalonian church came to be, because that will help us better understand Paul's language here. So picture it with me. Paul is going across Asia into Europe, sharing the good news of Jesus. He arrives at a place called Thessalonica today in in Greece. They welcomed him and loved him, and a bunch of them chose to follow Christ. A church quickly sprouted. But as quickly as the church flourished, within about three weeks or four weeks, violent persecution happened and kicked Paul and the people that were with him outside of Thessalonica. So Paul, now like a father to these baby, baby Christians in Thessalonica, was forced to leave his children under intense persecution, knowing that they would would certainly be attacked by the people that attacked him. So he writes as a concerned parent. It is as if he is a father calling his son on the phone. And the phone is ringing, but his son is not picking up. And his son is in a war zone. In Lebanon, we casually call the same year that I was telling you about before, the year of 2005, we call it the car bomb year. It probably sounds like I'm exaggerating right now, but unfortunately, I'm not. It started in February of 2005, where our prime minister was assassinated by a car bomb, and then for the next nine months, usually on Fridays, we had 15 car bombs. Every Friday, we waited with bated breath for an explosion. Sometimes it didn't come, but sometimes it did. And when it came, the second you hear the sound of the explosion, the second you feel that movement of the ground, you're rushing to pick up your phone because you want to call someone and figure out if your family's still alive, if they're still okay. The problem was that every other person in the country wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to call and see if their families were okay, too. So the lines jammed, and you couldn't get through to your family. I remember one specific Friday when a car bomb went off about two kilometers away from where my brother, my sister, and I were. And the first thing that we did, we were desperately, the three of us, trying to call our mother because we knew she would be so scared. On the other side of Beirut, my mother was trying to contact us. In utter anguish, knowing that the explosion happened in our immediate vicinity, and unsure whether her children were still alive. In Thessalonica, the explosion had happened. Paul was orphaned from his children, and the phone wasn't ringing. He couldn't figure out if they were still alive. Now let's look back at the language, our intense longing. We made every effort, we could stand it no longer. Makes much more sense. So section one is Paul was longing to see them. An important question to ask, though, is why. Why was he longing to see them? What was Paul concerned about? Was he, like my mother, concerned about their physical safety? In Paul's language, what could he stand no longer? What does he find unbearable to live with? The good news is that we don't have to wonder too much about it. He gives us the answer in the very next verse, which is in our next section. Paul was longing for them to have remained Christians For this reason, thank you, Paul, for being so clear. He tells us right off the bat. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your health. He says, I sent to find out about your faith. And down in verse 6, he says, Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought the good news about your faith and your love. And in verse 7, he talks about how they were in so much distress and persecution, but when they heard about it, they were encouraged because of your faith. So all of this emotive and powerful language that Paul is using stems directly from his concerns about the Thessalonians' faith, not their physical well-being, even though persecution came. What Paul couldn't stand any longer, the thing that Paul found unbearable was not knowing whether they had remained Christians. Yes, Paul wanted to see them because he loved them. Yes, they had become friends in that short period of time. But it went way beyond that for Paul. Paul hadn't just lost a few drinking buddies to travel or to work. Paul was unsure if the persecution that came to the Thessalonians had stripped them of their faith, but now Timothy had visited them and returned with the good news that they had stood firm in their faith. Look at verse eight again. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Paul was so overjoyed by the report that Timothy brought um, about the church that he was immediately moved to write them a letter about how joyful he was. So in those moments after a car bomb, when you're trying to call them, the line just disconnects, it just doesn't work. And then eventually, it actually connects and it's ringing. And with every ring, you're slowly dying on the inside because the more that it rings, the more it confirms every fear that you've ever had. But finally, the ringing stops and you hear the voice of your loved one and suddenly you burst back to life. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Timothy had come back and said, they are standing firm. And now, Paul says, we really live. So why is Paul longing to see them? What makes him alive again after he's been dead with worry? He wasn't sure if they were standing firm in the Lord. But now he knows that they have been. As we move into our final section, and before we jump in and start asking, what does this mean for us? I hope you're able to see how much affection Paul has for these people. Now, in the section that we're going to jump into, Paul prays three prayers for the Thessalonians. Um, And we'll we'll take them one at a time, and we'll see what is he praying for the Thessalonians in verses um, 10 to 13. So first of all, he prays that he might see them again. See, in gold, it says, um, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. verse 11, it says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. The question is, again, to what end does he want to see them again? See the purple. Supply what is lacking in your faith to continue to teach and grow them as disciples of Christ. That's why Paul wants to see them. Not just to grab a beer together. He wants to see their growth in Christ. So that's the first thing he prays about. The second thing he prays for is an increase in their love. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. But what kind of love is Paul talking about? What is he hoping that the Thessalonians do? He's praying that they love each other and everyone else, just as ours does for you. He wants them to be concerned for each other like he has been concerned for them. We've spent most of this time speaking about the degree and extent to which Paul longed for and loved these people. And Paul is saying, I want you to do the same thing. Paul is saying, if you love someone, you care about their standing in the faith. So he prays that he may see them again, to grow them, to supply what is lacking in their faith. He prays for an increase in their love, as he does for them. And finally, he prays, number three, that their hearts be strengthened, so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God And it's at this point that I want to move us to the final part of today. Um, It's in these last few words of this passage that we can start asking the question, what does it mean for us? We've unpacked the passage, we looked at the three major parts of this passage, and now we we want to reflect on it ourselves. We want to ask, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for me, for each one of you? May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. These few words hold the crux of Paul's longing. This is the lens through which Paul sees everything. This is the lens through which we can read all of Paul's letters. This is even the heart of what we're praying that the Lord does through the ministry here at Churchill. Church Hill. Now, if you've zoned out, let me call you back in. Um, we're looking at the second part of our, um, our time together, um, and we're asking the question, what does it mean for us? And the quick summary is, Paul's longing is that they remain in Christ and grow in him until that day that Christ comes back. So we're asking now the question, what does it mean for us? If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you are here today, welcome again. Please know that we're very excited that you've come along to church or if you're on the online watching on the live stream, welcome. As you can see in this verse, our passage is pointing us forwards to a day when Jesus will come back. This verse helps us to understand Paul's urgency in writing, Paul's extreme emotions in not knowing whether they had persevered in their faith. It's not because... Christianity was a club that Paul founded and he wanted as many members as he could to join it and enjoy it with him so that he could get famous or maybe get rich. As you read through the New Testament and as we saw in the first reading today from 2 Corinthians, Paul was beaten. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was stoned. There was one time they thought he was dead. They threw him out of the city. But he was alive. But even with all of those experiences, the thing that Paul calls unbearable The last time I used the word unbearable was when I was in traffic. The thing that Paul calls unbearable was the idea that the Thessalonians didn't stand firm in their faith. Let me share with you what their faith was. Let me share with you what our faith is. We were all created by God, but we have broken away from our Creator and a large chasm sits between us and Him. But instead of making us pay for the price of our rebellion against Him, He sent Jesus. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived, he died the death that we should have died, and he rose again on the third day, and that gives us eternal hope that whoever believes in him, instead of paying for their own sins, instead of for having to die eternally for their own sins, they will live eternally in perfect relationship once again with God. Jesus promised that one day he will come back to take home those who did put their trust in him. And now because of Jesus, those who did put their trust in him are blameless and holy. So Paul prays that we that they will be blameless and holy, that they would be ready on that special day when Jesus comes back. That was Paul's deepest longing for the Thessalonians and that is our deepest longing for you. We want you to know the love of Christ. That's why we run things like Alpha on Thursday nights. It's a safe space for you to think about life and your purpose here on earth, to engage with the Bible and hear what Jesus says. Let me encourage you to sign up to Alpha. Um, You can find out how to do that in your order of service, as Justin pointed out. It is a wonderful time together. One final thing before I lead us in prayer. Today is titled, A Deeper Affection. I think it's very easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking of each other more like drinking buddies and less like brothers and sisters who we long to stand next to on that special day that Paul was talking about in verse 13. One good pragmatic question I could pose to you is, I could say, um, who have you forgotten to check up on recently? And that's really good. And that would be great for you to think about. But I think the passage pushes us a little further than that. I think we're called to long for people's salvation and their continued standing firm in the faith. Now, if I'm honest with myself, I know that I long for things that I shouldn't long for. Some of them are bad, and the bad ones, honestly, are the easiest ones to point out and to be like, oh, that's a bad thing, I should take it out of my life. The more difficult ones are actually the things that are good, like freedom for a nation. Surely that's a good thing. But what we've learned is that through, um, is that any time we put our longing in temporary things, we will be left empty and disappointed, even if they're good. What we learn from Paul is we see that because of his longings, Paul acts differently. Because of Paul's longings, Paul makes every effort. Paul sacrifices his own comfort when he sends Timothy. And Paul prays earnestly for the Thessalonians' faith and growth. This passage is calling us to do the same thing. This passage calls us not to put our longings in temporary things that come and go like vapor, cars, homes, money, freedom, physical well-being, good relationships. But instead, it calls us to put our longing in the eternal things. So Paul's longing is that they remain in Christ and growing him until the day that Jesus comes back. How do our longings measure up with Paul's longings? What can we do this week to align our hearts with what this passage is calling us to do? Let me invite you as a first step this week to choose three people in your life that you want to commit to and start practically applying this with. Like Paul, we should let our longing for the salvation of others and the continued standing firm of our brothers and sisters in faith cause us to do three things. We should let our longings cause us to make every effort to see the people that we've chosen. We should cause our longings... Uh, Our our longings should cause us to sacrifice our own comfort for their faith's sake. And our longings should should cause us to earnestly pray that they may put their trust and grow in Christ until the day he comes back. Take a moment to prayerfully think about who those three people may be, and I'll lead us in prayer in, in just a moment. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that we can trust you, and we thank you that we can trust that if we put our affections in you, if we put our longings in you, we will never be dissatisfied. Help us, Father, to choose people that we can start this um, movement with. Help us, Father. Um, to know that, um, to learn how to change our hearts, to long like Paul longed. We pray that your, your spirit stirs our affections for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for the people who haven't yet met Christ. We recognize, Father, that we're supposed to feel this way. We're supposed to be concerned about everyone. Father, help us take this first step this week. We long for that day when we are with Christ. Until then, Father, we um, pray that you continue to encourage and strengthen us here as a church. May we love each other and be concerned for one another um, as Paul, as we see Paul do here with the Thessalonians. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.